Welcome to the Disciples Dialogue, where believers celebrate their commonalities, share their testimonies, and edify the body of Christ. Each episode contains healthy conversations between Brother Jill and guest speaker. Thanks for joining the Disciples Dialogue. Well, we're back with another one. Welcome to all of you listeners who are out there in the world, and you, no matter when you're listening to this podcast, we welcome you, and we are praying for you, and we hope that you enjoy the content that we bring to you here on the Disciples Dialogue. I am excited, truly excited to have another guest speaker with me today. I am in the city of Roanoke, Roanoke, Virginia, to uh, sit down and have a conversation with a friend, a fellow minister of the gospel. Uh, Brother Mark Rand, Pastor Mark Rand, and so welcome, Pastor Mark Rand, to the to the uh, episode here, and we're glad to have you on. Thank you so much. This is a truly an honor. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, I have been excited. Uh, you don't know this, uh, Brother Rand, but I've not shared this with him yet. But um, from the time that I bought this equipment to start doing podcast equipment, I, I started making a list in my phone of people that I would love to interview and sit down and talk with. And you were one of the first people that came to my mind. And I, I've had your phone or your name in my phone for, I don't know, maybe a month and uh, was hoping that you would say yes when I asked you to, ha- uh, to have you on to the podcast episode. And so um, I'm grateful that we're here. I'm excited. And, uh, and I believe that the Lord is going to, uh, to reveal to us some things and, and edify the body of Christ through your ministry and through your testimony. And so uh, I, I'm excited. I want to just jump right in and and um, let's see what the Lord will do. Amen. All right. So, for anybody who doesn't know, Pastor uh, Rand here in in Roanoke um, is pastor of the Pentecostals of Roanoke. Is that right? That's correct. And we're here. Is this a central location in Roanoke, or where are we at in Roanoke? Yeah, we're right off of Williamson Road. Um, it's uh, pretty much as close to the middle of the city as you can get, right off downtown, right by the Berglund Center. Um, it's a great location, and uh, we've been we've been very blessed, that's for certain, to be here. Great. How long have y'all been here at this location? We've been here for about uh, three years now, going on three years. Incredible. I know that I've been in service with you all once here. Uh, I really enjoyed my, my time here with you all uh, at that event, and... Um, I'm, I'm excited to be back here today, and I can't wait to be back in service with you all again. I wanted to ask you, Brother Rand, if you would to share your testimony with us today and tell us a little bit about your history and uh, how you've got to where you are now. I know it doesn't happen overnight, uh, and no doubt you, like everyone else and all these listeners, um, have had rough times and a, and a a journey. You've got a story to tell, and, and I would like to hear your story, and I know that Many other people would as well. So tell us a little bit about your history and where you come from. Well, thank you so much. Um, my, my story starts a long time ago, actually. Um, it sounds like the, the beginning of a really horrible uh, children's novel, but a long, long time ago. Um, <laughs> now, I, my, my story starts actually um, from birth. I am a walking, living, breathing miracle. Um, back in 1987, my, my mom walked into an OBGYN appointment, and she was told that um, your baby is, is has some serious issues. Um, they said that I would have no arms and no legs. Mm. They said I'd be born 60% Down syndrome. Um, this is at the height of the abortion craze. Abortion's now legal, and everyone is pushing everyone to get an abortion. Wow. And the doctor literally told her um, that if you don't get an abortion— you're gonna you're gonna kill yourself. You're killing yourself if you don't do this. Mm. You're gonna your life's gonna be horrible. This baby's life's gonna be horrible. Um, you've got to do this, or you're just a horrible person. Literally spoke those words to my mom. Um, my mom cried in tears. She was newly in church, new convert, had just been in this a year or two, um, had nothing else, nowhere else to turn to. She just said, "Hey, I, I refuse to accept that." Um, and I, I hope, I hope to God that I could have that kind of faith. She's like, I, I refuse to accept that. She literally left the doctor's office walked out of the room on the doctor, wow. drove down the road, drove down through Virginia beach, drove up to Bishop Bill Douglas's house, knocked on the front door and he opens the door to see this, uh, young 20 something year old lady, just tears streaming down her face. And she said, I need you to pray for me right now. And didn't even give him a chance to tell her what the problem was. Just pray for me right now. Wow. 
for the next uh, six months or more, uh, my, every time there was a service, my mom would walk to the altar. I need you to pray for my baby. I need you to pray for my baby. And for six months, just blind faith, pray for my baby. Pray. Here I am today. I've got, I'm proud to say I've got both my arms, both my legs. Praise God. I'm most definitely not 60% down syndrome. Um, so when I say a walking, talking miracle, God has had his hand on me for a very long time. Mm. Um, I, I wish that I could tell you that I had this, uh, this storybook, um, ministry cycle that just, uh, everything went perfect. It, it wasn't always like that though. I, um, I was that kid who everybody said, Oh, you're going to be a preacher just like your dad. Mm. And I mean, I didn't want to be like my dad. Right. I wanted to be the exact opposite of my yeah. dad, whatever that was. I didn't want to be that. And, oh, you're a natural born leader. I don't want to be a leader. You're, you're this, you're that. And I just, uh, almost a spirit of rebellion. I just wanted absolutely nothing to do with any of that. This was just not what I wanted to do. I was at uh, Youth Congress, North American Youth Congress. Um, I was about 16, 17, about 16 years old. And uh, it was a good conference. Honestly, I was just going because my friends went. Mom and dad paid for it, so why not? Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, there you um, go. Had, had no expectations, had no nothing. Just have a good road trip with the guys. This will be fun. Um, I remember going down to the altar, and as I was standing in that altar, I was praying. I was legitimately seeking the face of God. It was a stirring message. And I remember out of nowhere, a man I'd never seen before. Um, he walked up to me, laid hands on me. He began to pray for me. And all of a sudden, he just stopped. And he said, Mark, call me by name. He said, Mark, God told me to tell you that you need to quit playing games with your ministry mm. or he's going to take it from you. My goodness. And, man, I had a, on my knees, bury my face in the floor. Was, and I remember that because it was a hockey rink, so it was super cold. I remember how cold I was, was like laying there, my face on the floor, freezing to death. Just pouring my heart out to God. God, I'm going to be a preacher. God, I'll be a missionary. God, I'll be an evangelist. God, I'll do anything. Yeah. I'm going to do it all. And that lasted a good whole hot three, probably about three months. Yeah. <laughs> and after about three months, I was like, okay, I don't want to do this anymore. This is, this is no, this is not for me. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was at a men's conference. Um, a men's conference. I was up at the altar again, praying again. Just went because dad drugged me along. Um, and another minister here in Virginia walked up to me. Um, he began to pray for me, laid hands on me, and he just, I'll never forget it. He looked at me and said, Mark, God's already told you once, and he sent me to tell you one more time, you need to get it together. You've got to call a God on your life, and if you don't respond to this call, he's going to take it from you. And let me tell you, that um, that shook me to my core. It's one thing to have um, just something random happen, because you know you could you can excuse that away. Oh, maybe I didn't hear yeah. him say my name. Maybe that didn't really coincidence. Happen. Yeah, it's just you know maybe he heard somebody say my name. You know, right. some random stranger. You know, maybe it was just all in my head. It's easy. To, you can explain that kind of stuff away. Mm-hmm. As, as weird as that might sound, I could easily explain that away. But sure. here's a man who knows me, and I know him well, and I know his ministry. And he began to pray for me and said that, and uh, it was it, it was an eye opening, earth shattering, mind blowing experience for me. Um, and it was it was pretty much from that time, you know. My I'd always been involved in ministry up to some point, but again, it was because I had to. I loved it. I really did. Don't get me wrong, but I, I had no desire to preach. I had no desire to pastor. Um, I just wanted to to do cool stuff with my friends. Yeah. You know? And um, I uh, it, it was it was a pretty pretty wild experience, um, especially up in my teenage years. You know, my younger years, I was very much in, on fire. I, I loved God. I wanted to be a part of everything to do with God. But it was my teenage years, I began to really slack and begin to fall away from it. But, uh, you know, then, um, you know, so several years go by, I meet my wife, get married. I've got three beautiful kids now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that, that fire lit up inside of me and I was like, I'm going to be an evangelist. I just feel it in my heart. God has called me to be an evangelist. And I remember going to my dad, who was a pastor of a small church and saying, dad's God's called me to be an evangelist. And he said, well, that's, that's good, son. I, you know, I'll help you out if I can, but uh, you better make sure that's the will of God. Oh, yes, God, God's God's going to work in my life. I'm going to be an evangelist. And I, uh, I never forget the first time I got a phone call asking me to come preach for a pastor. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is it. Yeah. God's opened the door. I'm going to be an Here we evangelist. Go. Let's do it. <laughs> and I remember going to tell my dad, and he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, that's that's good. You know, just, just do your thing, but just mm-hmm. keep an open mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, this is gonna. This is it. I, I'll never forget. That. I went and preached and uh, preached the preached the most basic. I mean, you talk about the most basic message. I mean, I preached David and Goliath. Like <laughs> I kid you not. <laughs> textbook, David, textbook, first message. Yeah. David and Goliath. You I know. Love it. And uh, anyway, so I, I went to the church. Had a great time. That was awesome. And uh, about six months later, the, the church called me back again. Hey, we want you to. We enjoyed having you come. Come preach for us again. 
said, okay, that's great. I uh, went up and preached for him again. I'm like, God's opening the door. This is it. Uh-huh. And, uh, man, good solid year. Never heard another word from anybody. Nobody had me come preach for him. Nobody called me. Nobody asked me to come. I'm like, well, guess I'm not going to be an evangelist. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, about a year went by, and I got, an, I got another phone call, again, from the same church. And I uh, said, hey, we want you to come preach for us again. Pastor was going on vacation. Needed somebody he could trust to come in and, and really give a good word. And uh, went up there, did that. And this went on for probably, I would say, a good four years. The same pastor from the same church would call me about once a year, once every six months, and say, hey, come up and preach for us. Yeah. And uh, it was the most wild experience because I will never forget um, driving up here to Roanoke one more time, it was Brother Harden would call me and say, hey, come and preach for me. Come and preach for me. And uh, I remember driving up here, my wife and I in the car together, and uh, we looked at each other and, you know, how cool would it be if we, if God called us to come to Roanoke? How wild would that be? And I will never forget the experience of us both looking at each other and laughing. That is the silliest thing we've ever heard in our life. <laughs> we would never move to Roanoke. That is yeah. horrible. We'll never come to this place. And uh, it, it was a pretty wild experience. I um, I ended up here. I am. Uh, years later, here I am pastoring the church in Roanoke. It's wow. um, it's been an incredible experience. Um, it, it's like nothing I could ever imagine. Uh, I'm not even doing doing it justice to try to explain it here today. But uh, it's been it has been a roller coaster ride in my ministry. Um, some of it God doing. I'll be honest with you. A lot of it was me. A lot of it was me um, stepping in and out of the will of God. And I, I'm you know part of me is ashamed of that. Part of me is. Um, Part of me wishes some of that would have never happened, but at the same time, I understand that there's no way I could stand here today with the awe and the uh, the assurance that I am in the will of God right now had it not been for some of those experiences. Yeah. That's an incredible, uh, an incredible story. And as you was telling uh, your testimony, I couldn't help but think, you know, if somebody passed you in the store, in Walmart, at your job, people may look at Brother Rand and not, they may know Mark Rand as an employee, as uh, somebody walking by buying some bread and milk, but they may not see that. That you know, they don't see that picture, that uh, the story, the calling on your life. The and praise God that He was patient uh, with you and, oh my and to give you those opportunities and said, "Hey, you know, I've I've already told you once, and so this is the last time." And that's an incredible. Uh, part of your testimony that I really enjoyed hearing. Um, he, you know, he doesn't have to do that. He does not. He doesn't have to offer us a second, uh, a second chance. Or Lord, I've, I think I've used at least a million chances. <laughs> uh, I've gotten so many things wrong, wrong in my life and my ministry. But he's, he's patient. He's kind. He's loving, and he's a father. He's a father, he's a and that's what a father does. Absolutely, even more so than. You're a father, and I'm a father, uh, and and I'm I try to be patient with my kids, but even more so, he is he's the best kind of father, one that never gives up, one that never uh, says enough has been enough. You know, as long as we're breathing, there's hope. There's hope. There's hope, and so that is an incredible, incredible testimony. Uh, I didn't know a lot. Matter of fact, I didn't know any of that about you, and so I'm I'm learning here myself. Um, let me take it a step further. I know that you alluded to the fact that you're now the pastor here at the Pentecostals of Roanoke. What is the, what's the history of this church? I know, uh, brother Harden was, uh, the pastor here. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of this church. Absolutely. Um, it's an incredible, incredible story. Um, so, uh, pa- uh brother and sister, uh, Harden, Terry Harden and Crystal Harden, they, um, they were evangelists in Virginia um, for several years. They came up from Mississippi, and uh, they used to drive through Roanoke all the time, just going back and forth between the different cities in Virginia, evangelizing. And uh, their burden for this city just it just increased with every time they went through it. It just increased dramatically. And um, Sister Harden would tell you uh, that that she uh, one time she she drove through the city um, just as they've been first been approved by the board to come and plant a church. And she says that uh, she literally rolled her window down and stuck her whole, half her body out the window and screamed at the top of her lungs, we're coming for you, Rono. <laughs> um, they they had a tremendous passion and a burden for this city. And they uh, they they grew this church, man. They really did. They um, they poured their heart and soul into the city. They uh, literally blood, sweat, and tears um, into the city, into this church. And um, 
man, it's it's been 13 years, and uh, what they've built is a legacy that, uh, in Jesus' name, is going to live on for until until the rapture, until the Amen. But uh, it's been an incredible journey. There's no doubt. And so now you have this unique opportunity to stand upon the shoulders of Absolutely. a man of God, a family of God who who come before you and who paved that way. And I love that. I, I, I love, I think that we should never take for granted those who have come before us. You know, it's easy to only Absolutely. be in the right here and the right now. And we lose sight of all the trials, all the tribulation, all the fighting, all the prayers and the tears that were cried uh, long before we ever showed up. And so we, we, you know, young ministers and, and, and young pastors, we, uh, there's an, there's an excitement that comes along with preaching the word. I get excited when I have an opportunity to preach. I, I have, I get really excited about it, uh, because I love preaching the word. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's not always all about the hype. Uh, and, Absolutely. If, and, and so I think it would be a dis, uh, a disservice to those, our predecessors who came before us. If we don't remember and, and be thankful for those who come before us and pave the way. Because I know I can say uh, with a surety that had it not been for my pastor, I would not be the man that I am today. I would not be sitting here uh, speaking with Pastor Mark Rand uh, about the Lord and about your testimony without my pastor going before me. And so it's a very powerful thing to remember and to pay homage to those who have gone before us. Um, I, I love the way you put that standing upon the shoulders. Um, I'm telling you, that's something that as ministers, regardless of what um, what level you think you may or may not have achieved in your in your ministry, there is always someone that has gone before you. Mm-hmm. There's always someone, um, whether it be physically or spiritually in, in spirit, there's either been a road paved in prayer or a road paved in, in tears and sweat mm-hmm. um, that has gone before you. And it's very important that we understand that. We've got to be humbled in this, um, if there's one thing I would encourage a young minister or anyone just uh, really trying to, to live their best apostolic life that might be listening today, it would be to encourage them to remember that, hey, you're not alone. Mm. You're not alone. Um, there's someone that has gone before you. There's someone that's helped fight that battle. And uh, it, it would be arrogance to think that, oh, look at me. Look what I've done. Look what right. I'm going to do. Uh, absolutely not. We've got to remember to be humbled and remember that, hey, there's somebody else that that planted. There's someone else that 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 cleared the ground so that we can have an opportunity yes. uh, to be everything that God called us to be. And I, and I will piggyback off of that statement. And I will say uh, what also comes to my mind is not just being thankful uh, for those who have come before us and paved the way for us, but there is a generation after us. If the Lord tarries, absolutely. If, if the Lord uh, tarries and does not uh, come rapture his bride out of here uh, soon. And I think it will be soon. Um, but at the same time, we don't know the hour or the day. So we've got to live like there is a generation coming up behind us, after Absolutely. us. And we can't just live any old kind of way. We've got to be careful of the of the blocks that we use in the road that we're paving. Um, you know, of course, nowadays you, they just have big asphalt machines that, that go and, and pave roads. But if you think about the old days, they would use, you know, bricks and, and it was a, it was a craftsmanship to it. There was every block was laid with the intention and the understanding that, uh, this is where the traffic will flow. And so if we live our lives and we preach our sermons, understanding that they're, you know, our children, uh, our coworkers, our, uh, grandsons and daughters, um, will have to, walk down these roads that I'm paving for them right now. And, and they will stand on my shoulders one day. I want to make sure that that's a strong set, a strong foundation for them. Yes. Uh, and that's, you know, the Bible speaks very clearly and in depth about uh, a sure foundation. And so we need to provide that as, as ministers of the gospel. Amen. You know, I think of the, uh, what we would call the pillars of apostolic faith right now. And you think of the, the Jack Cunninghams, the Wayne Huntleys, the Anthony Mangums, the uh, you could go down the list, the David mm-hmm. K. Bernards. Um, you could go down the list of, of great, what we would call the greats in apostolic yes. um, um, ministry right now in, in this present day. Um, when you look at their life, one of the greatest testaments to who they are and, and what they have become is it's not just about a pulpit. Mm. They were who they are everywhere that they went all the time. 
Um, and if there is one thing that today's apostolic young man, young woman, young minister, um, what, whatever your ministry may be, whether it be um, a platform ministry, a pulpit ministry, whether your ministry um, is, is as simple as just greeting at the door, whatever that might be, um, we have an obligation to be apostolic in the church and out of the church mm. because we're paving constantly. Yes. You're constantly paving something. Always. And, you know, you, you, you made the comment that, uh, you know, to somebody outside the church, uh, earlier you made the statement outside the church, I might be just Mark Rand that you work mm. with, Mark Rand that you do whatever. Um, one of the greatest compliments I've ever received um, was not how great a preacher I am. Mm. Um, it was not uh, what great, what a great orator I am. Not a, not what a great way you put your. I love the way you put your notes together. It wasn't anything like that. One of the greatest compliments I've ever received was you were genuine. Wow, you were genuine. Whether it be inside the pulpit or whether I meet you at, at, at Chick Fil A on a, on a Thursday night, you're still the same guy, regardless. And we've got to pave that. That not, it's not a persona. It's not a. This is a character. My character, who is, what is my apostolic character? And it's got to be that way all the time. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. well said. And, I, and I'll say um, it's easy to be the church when you're at church. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's I so mean, it's, I have no trouble being <laughs> apostolic at church. But can't, the real question is, can I be the church outside of the church? Yes. Can I be the church uh, on my job, for my family, in my home? It, you know, and some great teaching uh, from the hearts and the minds of people like Terry Schock, um, great ministers who have taught me over the years, um, and and these things really affected me, is if I can't, you know, Terry Schock once said, don't be a stranger to your family. And he said, by that I mean, you know, if if my kids look at me at church and they say, wow, dad, dad looks happy, dad looks you know, he, he's he's not angry. He's he's not yelling. Um, he's praying. You know, and, and if I look like a stranger to them at church, then that means I've not carried that same. Uh, that means I'm just I'm acting. You know, I've become Absolutely. a method actor at that yep. point, and so I put on face. So true. Uh, and, but I want to be that kind of man, that that prayer warrior at home. I want to be that that firm foundation for my family, uh, not just at church, but at home, on my job, everywhere that I go. And and like I love that how you said that we're we're constantly paving everywhere we go we're paving a road, uh, but how sure is it? Mm. How sure is it? I want to move forward here and ask you another question. Um, we understand the history you've shared shared the history of the Pentecostals of Roanoke, um, Brother Harden, uh, paving the way for you. Let me ask you, what is your what is the current vision for the Pentecostals of Roanoke with you as the lead pastor? Uh, now, what is your vision for the city of Roanoke and for this church? I would say first off, um, carrying on this apostolic legacy that we have is so important. Um, not being complacent, not being satisfied. Um, got a great church, got great people. I could, I could easily come in here, sit down, preach, preach good sermons and, and have lead some good prayer. And, and I could be comfortable, but that's, mm. that's not what God called us here to do. God called us here to build a church, to reach a city. There are 300,000 people in the Roanoke Valley that need God. 300,000. Wow. I mean, you could grow up. Think about that. Growing a church of 3000, you're only going to touch 1%. That's, that's incredible to think about staggering numbers to think about. But so my vision, my ultimate vision is to have preaching points and daughter works all across the city. Um, I, I would like to have at least at, people think I'm crazy, but I, I'm three months into this as a pastor. Yeah. And I, what is your vision, man? My vision is to plant daughter works all across the valley. Well, what, what if they go to that church instead of your church? I don't care. I want them to be saved. Uh, I, I want to see people yeah. saved. It, it, just to think about, oh, you could grow a church of you could grow a church of any size in that city. You're right, I could. But how much more amazing would it be to grow a church of that magnitude, but in five different places? Yeah. How incredible would it be to have cell groups and preaching points and and different aspects? Um, we have the Roanoke Valley um, has almost every. It's a melting pot. It really is. It has mm-hmm. almost every culture that you can think of in the city. I I, I want to see the Spanish church rise up. I, I want to yes. see. Churches rise up that will reach the Jamaicans. I want to see somebody come in that will reach uh, anyone and everyone you can imagine. I want to help be a part of building that up. 
Because again, we're talking about building an apostolic church, not building, this is not my church. Right. This is not to just the church for the city, but this is an opportunity to be part of a, a culture that says, hey, it's got to be apostolic all the way around. Whenever I drive around the city and I see a church on every street corner, yeah, oh, what a shame it is that not every one of those is apostolic. Yeah. What a shame. I, I, that's my vision. My vision is to see apostolic apostolic, apostolic churches and an apostolic culture yeah. all across this valley. I love people who have a vision. I love uh, because I feel like we as apostolics, uh, not, every, not every apostolic, but I feel like uh, that I've met quite a few, and I've been one at times who, you know, we we can easily preach Acts two thirty eight. We we know all the right things to say, um, but when it comes down to it, when somebody asks us, "What do you? What is your? What are you pursuing? What are you after?" Uh, and to hear someone say, "Listen, I I'm not just interested in God sending fifty people to this church. I want to see more than one apostolic presence in the city of." Roanoke, uh, that to me, that that zeal and passion for not just growth that comes by your hands, but growth that comes by the hands of many and edifies and builds the kingdom, that's what we should be about. But that takes vision. And the, the Bible talks about um, vision, uh, and, it, and it's important to have vision because if we don't have vision, then how can we uh, how can we grow properly? You know, I, I would say praise God to anyone. You know, all of the angels in heaven rejoice over one soul, the Bible says, that would come to Christ and repent. But how much more uh, great would it be to see not just one soul, but uh, churches, daughter works being planted and and all across this uh, Roanoke County and the New River Valley. I'm just... To me, I love it, and it, it, it sets a fire inside of me to see that there are new, um, this generation, not the previous generation, but this generation of ministers, pastors, are not just consumed by themselves, but they want to see the kingdom built. Amen. You know, I, you know, one of the greatest, one of my greatest heroes in the Bible um, is probably the most unlikely hero that you can ever imagine, um, and I believe it's found in Acts chapter seventeen. Um, his name is Jason. You only hear his name mentioned one time throughout the entirety of the Bible. His name is Jason, and uh, his name is mentioned as the uh, as the, the the elect, the elders of the of the the Jewish church at the time came and said, uh, "We're looking for these disciples, these these apostles, of whatever you want to call them that, that 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 are doing all these crazy things." And they came to a man named Jason's house, mm. and he was having church, yeah, having church. And you know, the Bible says that. He said, these are the ones, the, the Bible says, these are the ones that have turned the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a moment. Wow. My, my, my job here is not to have my name glorified. My job right. here is not to have my name in the, in the record books. Mm-hmm. My job is not to be a, a board member or to be a presbyter or to be mm-hmm. a, a district superintendent. My job is to be someone who turns the world upside down. I want to be adjacent. If I want to be anybody, wow. I want to be adjacent. I want to be somebody who's recognized as, hey, he did his part to turn the world upside down. If we can turn that culture upside down in the city and then have that spill over, you know, I, I want to see, uh, I, I was talking to a, a very dear, um, a, a very dear uh, pastor, a friend of mine, um, and I was telling him, I, I found an old video uh, of myself as a teenager and I saw a bunch of old friends and I, I sent him a text. I was like, can you just think about this for a moment? I said, there in this video alone, there are three pastors. There are two evangelists. There's one missionary. And I went down the list of youth pastors and all those that are involved in ministry out of this group of teenagers. I said, that's the legacy that you, that you have left behind. Wow. You didn't, you didn't focus just on yourself, but you, you yeah. built ministry. And that, that's what I want to be a part of. That's what I want to, that's the kind of culture, the, the, the world vision, the vision, if you will, uh, for this Valley that I, I want to be a part of. I want to be just, even if I can be just a small part of that, yeah. I've succeeded in the, in the kingdom of God. Wow. And to build the kingdom, you have to build others. Absolutely. Right. And and you said that you want to build other people. It's all, I understand. And I'm going to say something that I don't want to be taken out of context. Uh, of course, I will preface my statement by saying that it's all about Jesus. Everything that we do is for him. Yes. Uh, the heavens declare his glory. It's all about Jesus. But I will say that our work, our calling is about people. It's 
because that's his desire. It's Absolutely. people. We should, uh, you know, God intended us. He said, go make disciples. And, and, and it's not just to say, go and teach them into his marvelous life. Uh, <laughs> the, the message is far deeper than that. The message, uh, rings, I think more true to say, love them without forcing religion upon them. Yes. Can you love people who say no to your offer to Bible study? Can you show compassion to those who treat you poorly? Can you? And so the, this is, you know, the Bible talks about and says, you'll know them by their fruit. Yes. Right. And so what fruit are we bearing? And in, in saying that, I, I want to jump right into this next point here. I want to ask you this. If you could give us three important things for today's believer to the one who may be listening to this podcast, who may be not completely sold out. If you have got one, two or three things, what would be the, some of the most important things that you would say for a believer today to grab hold of and to not let go? I would say that the first thing is always going to have to be consecration. Mm. Um, if we are truly going to be apostolic, regardless of where you are, whether you just came into the church yesterday or whether you've been in this your whole life, um, we've got to be consecrated. What do I mean by that? We've got to be grounded in the Word of God. We've got to be in our Bible. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to be full of faith. We've got to fast. We've got to do the things that apostolics do, but mm-hmm. do more than just give it lip service. Yeah. I see a generation of young people right now who have heard it preached and they jump about, they jump up and down and they shout about it at the youth camp and they jump up and down and they, they go to the altar and give their hearts to God one more time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and I'm, I'm very involved with youth, So that's, that's been something that I've been involved in. So, so I'm bringing this from that kind of, from that perspective. And, and then you see them leave a youth camp or a youth convention or, or a winter fire or whatever, whatever event they've gone to and, and just fizzle and burn out. Wow. Um, because of a lack of consecration, they, their mm-hmm. mind gets gets taken up. Let me tell you, if you're not consecrated to God, you're going to be consecrated to something. Wow. Yeah, there you w- go. W- whether that be uh, the apps that are on your phone, the, the whatever you're spending your time with, whether it be sports or maybe even your job, mm-hmm. uh, maybe a significant other, um, w- whatever that might be, you're going to consecrate yourself to something in this world. Yeah. Um, and we as apostolics got to make sure that's Jesus. Uh, so my first thing is always going to be consecration. Uh, then I, w- I would say that um, you need to find a pastor. Mm. You've got to find a pastor. You've got to have a man of God, a woman of God, a voice in your life um, that's going to not be afraid. I, I, I preach a sermon called The Need for Nathan. You need to have a prophet in your life who can walk into your courtroom, stick his finger in your face, and lay da- lay it down hard, rough, and tough. Yeah. You also need somebody that can come in and give you some love, give you some tenderness, give you some kindness. Yeah. But you need to have somebody in your life that you give permission to and you open your heart and your mind to and say, okay, hey, I need you to be more than just a voice. I, I yeah. need you to be my pastor. Don't tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I need to hear. Absolutely. Mm. Um, if there is, I, I, I love YouTube. I love podcasts. Um, I, I'll tell you what, one of the greatest dangers of, of, listening to good preaching all the time because right now we have access to great preaching i remember as a kid i'm going to date myself a little bit here i remember as a kid uh we would gather around uh a a radio a stereo and we would have cassette tapes and we would listen to uh, we would listen to cassettes of preachers and uh it it sounds kind of corny but we would and and so you would um some of y'all asking what's a cassette tape it's this little rectangular shaped thing okay anyway yeah yeah. Uh, so but we would listen to these these tapes and and what would happen is you would go to a church and they have tapes in their bookstore and sometimes they give it away sometimes they sell them and so you take these tapes and you'd go back and you'd you'd you'd, you'd kind of trade them around they kind yeah. of get around a little bit and and so what would end up happening is more than like you'd keep just have to listen to the same stuff over and over and over again. right yeah you know so it was, like, yeah, it was okay that's that's great the first couple of times you think okay I'm, I'm i can recite that when i'm good but now mm. man i can pick up my phone right now and i can listen to great preaching from all over the world true Everywhere, it's yeah. un, it's unreal. It's unbelievable. Uh, just the amount of access that we have right now to to great word. Yeah, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, but let me tell you that there there is a danger right now in the apostolic movement of being addicted to entertainment. Yeah, and, and not word. Mm. What, what do I mean by that? I mean I, I can I can scroll through until I found I find a preacher who excites me, and I can find a preacher. Who who gets me gets my blood pumping? and I can find a preacher and going, Oh wow, that's revelation every time I listen to yeah. it. And then you know what happens? Uh COVID comes along or something happens and I find myself going, you know, 
I could have church here at home. I feel yeah. the spirit of God. I felt the Holy Ghost goosebumps. You know, I don't, you know, I, I'm okay. So I fall out of fellowship and then I lose the need for a pastor because mm. I, I, I've got good preaching. And, and sooner or later, the preacher becomes just an entertainment piece. I go to church, and if he doesn't give me a good sermon, man, you know what? I can go down to the I can go down to the next church over, and he preaches better than this preacher yeah. does. And then the next thing you know, now you're searching for entertainment, and you're not looking for a pastor. Some of the greatest pastors, I'm telling you right now, some of the greatest pastors are not the greatest orators, mm. but they love their people. Yeah, there you go. And, and I, it's amazing to me as as you really as you study and you look for, you look from a church growth perspective when you look at. Um, I'm the kind of guy I, I want to see what did. Who, who who built what and how they do it? Yeah, you know, I want to be like that guy. You yeah. know, and I and I look at some of these. I'm not going to name any names, but you look at some of these preachers who are, have dynamic churches, huge churches, and you sit there going, "Wow, I don't know that I could sit there and listen to that guy preach for an hour and a half. Mm. That, that would blow my mind. He's not a great preacher. Uh, it sounds horrible. I know. Yeah, who who are we to compare ourselves one to another? But let's be real for a minute, okay? Yeah. My flesh thinks stuff like that. Right? Sure, but then I look and see how how does he how does he treat his church? Yeah. He loves his people. His people are drawn to him. His people know they can trust him. Mm-hmm. His people know that he can speak a word in their life, and he's going to be genuine at any given time. He is who he is. And, and let me tell you, as a young minister, you need to have a pastor. So you got to be consecrated. you got to have a pastor. And then you have to have a personal walk with God. Um, that sounds so generic. But if there is anything that we've got to have in, in, in this time that we're living in, right? Because I believe we're living in the end times, right? Sure. Um, but we've got to have a genuine personal walk with God. Let me tell you, your 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 church experience is not going to get you to heaven. The, the, you you going to the altar and speaking in tongues for 15 minutes and then going out to, to, to Zaxby's after church with, with your buddies is not going to get you to heaven. Mm. What's going to get you to heaven is your personal relationship with God. The Bible tells us there will be many that come to him and say, Lord, Lord, he's going to say, depart from me. I, you work over iniquity. I never knew you. No. There are going to be those that came and said, hey, we sat at your table. Mm. That, this, that, that that literally means we sat and we ate with you, we supped with you, we we talked with you, and he's going to yeah. say, I, "I never knew yeah, you." But we cast out devils in your name. <laughs> right. We we do all kinds of stuff, but mm. there's a difference. Mm. There's a difference between between the spirit of God resting on you and and, and being in relationship with God. Wow. And, and so let so consecration. Have a pastor in your life and have a genuine relationship with God. And that's something that's only built through time. That's something that, yeah. you know, I was on my face in prayer um, probably over a year and a half ago. And uh, I was I was going through a really intense spiritual battle. I just, I felt, I felt like uh, I just wasn't getting anywhere in my ministry. I felt like uh, it was just a really personal attack of the enemy. Just all kinds of lies, all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Uh, I remember at one point telling my wife, I just don't feel like myself right now. I just don't feel right. Um, and I remember um, going in the bedroom one day, I shut the door and I just laid down on the floor and said, God, I'm not going to get up until you speak to me. Mm. You've got to speak to me. And and I wish I could tell you the heavens opened and the voice of God spoke down to me and said, hey, Mark, you know, it yeah. wasn't like that though. I, I, I just prayed and travailed. I don't know how long I laid there. And finally, I just asked the question, God, what do you want from me? Mm. And if I've ever heard God speak to me, I've heard God speak to me that day. He said, I need you to be uh, faithful. I need you to be trustworthy. And that, that, that word stuck with me, trustworthy. I yeah. want to be trustworthy for God. And the only way I'm going to do that is if I'm doing the right things that, that I'm able to do. And, and those things, I've got to be consecrated. I've got to have a pastor in my life. I've got to have a relationship with God. And when I accomplish those three things, that's when God can trust me in the kingdom of God. Wow. Very well said. Very. There's a, so much there. And I, I know that there's going to be some young, maybe not even young, but there's going to be some individuals who listen to this podcast, no doubt in my mind, who hear that and say, okay, okay, I've got work to do. I've got a, I need to find me a pastor because I'm not in subjection to anyone and, I, and I'm going about my own way. And I agree with everything that you said. Something that came to my mind, if I could add a thought, uh, I know I'm interviewing you, uh, but I want to add a thought. I think that we we need to, understand our own diet and i don't i'm not a guy that likes diets i like to eat cake and brownies and all the unhealthy stuff so i'm not talking about that kind of diet but spiritually i think that we need to understand our own personal diet because some people are not ready for the meat some you know when we all when we come to god we we come to him and we are in need we are spiritual babes and we are in need of 
the milk. The Bible talks about this, the, the need for the milk, um, just like a, a natural child, you know, has to drink milk before it can ever grow to, to eat the meat. And so you talked about all these, you know, the availability of strong preaching, great preaching. And yeah, we can go listen to, uh, you know, the Raymond Woodward preach on the oneness of God and absolutely blow our minds. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're, if that's all we seek after though, is to have our minds blown and to, to see how God literally carved out in Jerusalem in the mountains, you know, the, the sheen and, and which is the name of God and all these things. And it will blow your mind, but you're, dealing with the meat at that point, and if you've not been properly fed and nourished as a child, then that can, I don't think that that's healthy. And I think that we must understand um, our own diet and our own need. And I think that, uh, you know, I've heard stories of, of young ministers who come out the gate and they're wide open and they're, you know, ready to, you know, go into hell with a water soaker and just take on the devil. But, um, you you know you, these things these principles that you thought talked about being consecrated having a pastor these are things that will teach you as you're on the milk if you'll be in subjection to someone a man of God in your life if you'll be consecrated and give your life over to God if you'll do these things then I think that He will grow you to the point to where you can withstand and and that meat grows you for the things that it's intended for but I think that we must be very careful not to. Uh, get one before the other. I definitely agree. You know, I heard a, I heard a preacher tell, say one time, he said, uh, an evangelist comes with a heartbeat to speak to everyone. A pastor steps behind the pulpit with God's heartbeat to speak to you. Mm. Yeah, that's good. And that's a powerful statement when you think yeah. about it. You know, a, a pastor has a heartbeat from God for you as an individual. Uh, every time I sit down and I hear my pastor preach, I, I go into it with the thought that this word is for me. Yeah. Yeah. How do I apply this to my life? And and when we do that, you know, we get it, we'll begin to appreciate the man of God in our lives, the woman of God, whatever that might be in our lives. And, mm-hmm. and God can really begin to get down to the, the like you said, the, the meat of the matter. God yeah. can really get down and begin to grow us. Yeah. Um, that's where real spiritual growth happens. When you sit down and you put yourself into submission and say, okay, God, this is my man. This is my woman of God. Um, I am going to submit myself to them. Mm. It's not about me right now. It's about what you can teach me. What can I learn from you, God? Yeah, that's very, very good stuff. I want to ask you one last question before we wrap up here. Um, it's a question that the Lord, I believe the Lord laid this question on my heart for you uh, today. How can we grow passion? Passion is something in my, at least in my view that, uh, the world is running low on the church even at times is running low on um, we're passionate people people are passionate by nature but they were, we're passionate about the wrong thing maybe and so I want to ask you how can we grow our passions for the right things you know I would say that um, when I think about the things that people are most passionate about um, I'll, I'll never forget I was um, I was actually at work one day and he uh a good coworker friend of mine, we were talking about it. He 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 made a uh, he made a statement to me that just blew my mind at first. Like, oh yes, this is going to be great. He, he looked at me and said, "I can tell you're a religious guy." I'm like, man, yeah, hallelujah! I'm going to get a Bible study yeah. out of this one. I yeah. love where this is going. <laughs> I said, absolutely. I'm 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 not a religious guy. I'm an apostolic guy. Yeah. I'm like, that's the key. I'm going to get him now. I'm going to hook, line, and sinker. I'm yeah. going to reel this guy in. This is going to be great. And before I could say another word, he said, "Well, I'm a religious guy." It's like. Mm. okay that's great good for you buddy let me tell you about me let me tell you about what god's done for me he's like no no no, let me stop you right there he said because i'm not like any other religious guy you've ever met i was like okay i said explain what are you what are you talking about he said um he said sports is my religion oh wow he said every sunday i sit down at the feet of my god kid you not said this to me i sit down at the feet of my god and, and i worship my team Wow. He said those words. Mm. Um, he was passionate about that. Yeah. But you know why he was passionate about it? He was passionate about it because he fed it. Mm. Um, we're going to be passionate about what we feed in our life. Um, you want to be passionate about God, you got to feed the God, things of God into your life. If you want to be passionate about ministry, you've got to make ministry your everything. If you want to be passionate, uh, you know, when I, I think about relationship, you know, often in my in my preaching and teaching, I, I compare our relationship with God to um, the relationship of a husband and a wife. 
I have seen marriages fail and crumble um, when a man or a woman loses their passion for their significant other. Um, but that doesn't typically happen overnight. It's not mm. you, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "You know what? I think I want a divorce today." Right. Um, I think I'm going to go cheat on my spouse today. Mm. Um, I think I'm just going to go fall into the pitfalls of hell and, and sin and debauchery. I think I'll do that today. Nobody starts out like that. It's a slow fade. They they take their eyes off of what they fell in love with to begin with. Mm. And let me tell you, if we want to develop true apostolic passion for God and the things of God, we got to put our eyes on God and Him only. Um, what does that mean? That means, hey, I've got to cut some friends out of my life, maybe. Yeah. That means maybe i got to tell some family members. This is where it gets tough. We start getting down to the nitty-gritty of it and saying, hey, maybe I need to cut off some relationships. Maybe I need to, to cut off some friendships. Maybe I, I need to put my phone down and quit looking at some stuff. Maybe yeah. I need to quit listening to some things. Uh, maybe I need to make sure that I'm actually in church on Sunday and on our mm-hmm. midweek service. Maybe I, I need to maybe I need to make an apostolic altar in my own home instead of just depending upon the altar at church. Wow. Um, if we want to develop passion, We've got to be about the Father's business mm. all the time, not just on Sunday, not just at a midweek service, not just at a youth function, not just at a hyphen function, not just at a singles rally, not just a district conference, not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday or Thursday night or whatever it might be for you yeah. all the time. For us to develop apostolic passion, we have got to be about God all the time. Yeah. All the time. And that's easy for us to say in a setting like this. We're just sitting across from each other talking. But it's got to be. You know, I found one of the one of the craziest moments. The moment we talked about the roller coasters of my own, my own ministry. Um, I found that my highest highs were when I had my mind completely and solely focused on God. My lowest lows were those moments where I took my eyes off God and let my mind get on something else, whether it be myself, whether it be selfish ambition, whether it be greed going after money and jobs, uh, or whether it be just, you know, what out of sheer laziness. Yeah. That's something we don't like to talk about as apostolics, but if we're not very careful, we'll, we'll let a spirit of laziness get on us in a heartbeat. Yeah. It's real easy to take our minds off God. It's real easy to take our, our, our eyes off God. Um, but let me tell you, if you want to be passionate, if you want to find and develop a passion in your ministry, put your mind on God, try it. Just try it. Yeah. You think I'm crazy? Go do it. Just say, hey, you know what? This week, I'm going to put my mind on God, and he's all I'm going to think about. Yeah. Turn off your phone. Delete delete Facebook. Delete Instagram. Yeah. Delete Netflix and Hulu and all those other things. Whatever you it know, takes. Whatever it takes. And just say, okay, God, I'm going to consecrate. There's that word again. Yeah. I'm going to consecrate myself to you. Just try it for a week and see yeah. what happens to your ministry. That's Just try it for a week and see what happens to your walk with God. Throw ministry out the window for a minute mm. and just say, okay, God, I want this week to be about you. Let me tell you something. It will change your life. It literally changed my life when I made that commitment. So, okay, God, I, I just got to have it about you and it's got to be, and i've heard some people say that oh well you know uh you've got to have a balance you know one of the greatest things i ever heard josh herring say was people who tell you have you have to have a balance he said those are the worst sinners you're ever going to meet <laughs> uh, I don't, i'm not going to say that's true of all people i'm yeah. just I'm, I'm, I'm just using somebody else's words as a joke uh, but to an extent it's true you need to have balance in your life but before you find balance you better find god wow you better find keep god. your eyes on jesus absolutely that's it, that's peter on the water right he the moment he took his eyes off of jesus the moment he got distracted by the things around him was when he began to sink into what would ultimately kill him you know he, he would have drowned mm-hmm. uh, and so the importance of staying committed stay you know keeping that passion when you find it when you build passion keep it it's like uh you know it's like the the fire uh, the bible talks about you know uh, you know, not letting the flame go out and, and keeping it burning all the time. If if we, all of our lives at one point or another, I believe every minister, every great apostolic preacher, every one of us have this thing in common, and that is that at one point in time in our life, uh, we was down to embers. We were down to, you know, just a few hot coals, and the, the flames were all but gone. And... And that's because we're human. That's because we're we're frail and flawed. But if we can blow on those embers, if we can uh, breathe on those things, which were, you know, I, I, when I pray, I pray, God, help me to rekindle the flame that once burned so brightly inside of me. And I want I want it to be greater because you know I, my pastor said it like this: 
if something's on fire, people are going to come watch it burn. That's right. People, I don't care if a building catches on fire, people will drive out of their way to go watch it burn. They, it's just something about something on fire. People want to see it. And so if we get on fire for God, if we get that passion, that zeal back about us, then people will be drawn to it. And then we have an opportunity. That's right. right. You know, I, I, you know, I go back to that the statement you made about Peter and, and getting out of the boat, walking on water. And here's the, here's a question I have. Did, what made Peter step out of the boat? What made, think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. What made Peter step out of the boat? We would say, oh, it was faith. Faith made him want to walk on. Absolutely not. I, I would argue against that all day long. He stepped out of the boat in obedience. Yeah. He said, if you be Jesus, bid unto me. Yeah. And Jesus said, come. Yeah. Obedience. He, he stepped out of the boat in obedience. Wow. His obedience is what allowed him to walk on the water. You could say, oh, it's his faith. You know, we could have that argument. We could talk about it. We could debate that. But he stepped out of that boat in obedience. Now, faith that Jesus had called him out there, we understand that. But yeah. it was an obedience that he stepped out. Can I tell you, if you want to develop faith and passion, you've got to be obedient first. What does the word yeah. tell us? Come ye out from among them and be ye separate. Say be the separate. Lord. Yeah. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. Mm. For such a time as this, yeah. you know, um, we have got to be obedient. And if we'll be obedient to the word of God, if we'll follow the direction of God, that's when we'll, we'll that, that passion, that fire you just yeah. talked about, man, yeah. it will light you on fire quicker than anything. Yeah. Wow. That obedience to God will light you on fire quicker than any sermon ever will, quicker than any prayer meeting ever will, quicker than any youth camp or youth congress experience ever will, uh, quicker than anything. You being obedient to God will light a passion and a fire inside of you. The devil can't put out with every devil in hell. There's no way he could wow. do it because you're in obedience to the word of God. Amen. Amen. Brother Rand, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This has been an incredible conversation. I've learned. I'm edified. I believe that the listeners of this episode will be edified as well. Um, quickly, before we uh, end this episode here, uh, Tell people when they can come be in service with you if they're in the area. If you're in Roanoke, when can they come be in service with you all? Absolutely. Um, we're right off here off Williamson Road. Um, we're um, we're in service on Sundays at 2 p.m. We have a uh, adult Sunday school class or Sunday school class, um, and then uh, at 3 p.m. we have a very we have a worship service uh, again on Thursday nights uh, is our midweek service here at seven o'clock, six thirty for prayer, seven o'clock for worship and Bible study. Um, and man, if you're in the Roanoke Valley, if you're in the Roanoke area, we'd love to have you come and visit us. Um, check us out on Facebook, uh, our Facebook page, the Pentecostals of Roanoke. Um, again, thank you so much for this opportunity to be, to be here with you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you. It's, it's been a genuine pleasure and I love opportunities to sit down and just talk about God, talk about the, this apostolic faith that we have. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope that you're blessed. We're praying for you, that the Lord would keep you and bless you wherever you are. And I pray that you would share this message, share this uh, message of hope uh, and let people know that God still loves them and they can grow. They don't have to stay in the gutter, but God can take them up. Amen. Be blessed. And we will see you on the next episode.